This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of the <laughs> DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me this week is longtime collaborator, longtime absentee, Tom Jolliffe. Say hello, Tom. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Delighted to be here. Uh, yes. So, Tom, <laughs> where the fuck have you been for the last six months? Or <laughs> I've been locked. I've locked myself in a basement, and I've just been writing non-stop. Awesome. So I've had. Um, I've been doing a bit of filmmaking. Um, I've got a number of shorts that I've got in sort of various stages of production. A couple that are sort of doing the festival run at the moment, mm-hmm. and I've just written two feature films as well. Um, which should be out probably in about 12 to 18 months, Touchwood, awesome. on DVD, video, uh, video on demand worldwide. So hopefully we might yeah. be covering it I'm sure on we this will. show at some point. Well, let's face it, Tom, we will have to, right? <laughs> we, we can't just sort yeah. of let that slide, the fact that you're actually no. still making films. It would, you know, it would, be, it would be remiss of us yeah. to, to let you get away without a review. From VTV Digest. Um, so welcome back, and you've uh, turned up on a very fortunate um, episode because this week we are looking at the new thriller *Revenge*. Um, I've got some very strong feelings about this film, and hopefully, and um, me and Will will be sitting down later this week to discuss the latest film from David Tennant, where he plays the bad Samaritan. Um, But before we get into all of that, let's crack down with the DTV chart. Yes, it's time for the DTV chart, dated the 2nd of September 2018. Um, Thanks to Richard for putting this together as usual. Um, We take all the DTV releases from the top 100 DVD and Blu-ray releases in the UK and sort of siphon them all out. Sort of siphon? That's not the right word, is it? We sift them all out until we left with just the, the DTV nuggets. Uh, this week we've got nine entries and we're going to kick off with The Last Warrior. Um, this is a Russian film. Um, I like the look of this. I haven't caught it yet. Uh, we did get a bit confused because it turns out there's two Russian films called The Last Warrior. One of them is actually produced by Disney. Um, this isn't the Disney one. That's coming out later in the year. Uh, but this looks very good. Um, if, if, if you're interested in taking a look, have a look for the French trailer, which is called Rage. Uh, it gives you much more flavour of what the film's about, I think. Uh, number eight is Of Gods and Warriors. I I enjoyed this film. It's uh, got Terence Stamp in it, um, playing um, Odin. It's all about um, a Viking uh, princess who doesn't realise she's a princess and has to sort of discover her destiny. It's, it's pretty damn good with some very strong... Um, fight sequences in it uh, number seven is Mohawk the film the latest film from um, Ted Gagan his follow-up to uh, we are still here uh, this is a really really good film I don't know if you've caught this one Tom not yet it's on my Netflix list so yeah. hopefully soon that's it this is one of the films that happens to be on Netflix already um, it's it's a really really good very visceral uh, film. Um, it's slightly being missold in, on the DTV on the DVD cover because um, it's got like the sort of male 
uh, Mohawk warrior. He's kind of um, sort of the secondary character to the, to the main character, but never mind. Number six is The Death of Superman. I still haven't caught this, but like all DC animated uh, films, uh, this is very strong. Uh, I'll see the trailer. I, I definitely like the look of it, and we'll be catching up with it soon. Okay, into the top five, the first of which is The Lost City of Gold. Now, the thing is, Tom, I've struggled to find a trailer for this film. Um, and I think IMDb still has it being as in, pre, in um, post-production. But here yeah. it is, you know, it, it's, um, it's here. Apparently it was last week's number one as well. So, you know, it's... I don't know how it's got to number one. If no one's seen the trailer or anything, I mean, you know, the cover is a bit. It's, it's not even, yeah, it's not even like the cover is particularly eye catching. No, it's very generic. And, you know, it hasn't really got a cast that's going to grab it. Um, I, I definitely need to see this at some point just to sort of, you know, out of curiosity, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, number four, Deep Sea, sorry, Deep Sea, Deep Blue Sea 2. Um, I have seen this one. Um, didn't think a great deal of it. It has got strong production values. Um, but it's, it's the baby shark thing that sort of like lets it down, unfortunately. Uh, have you seen that one, Tom? I've not seen it yet. I've only seen about half of the first one, to be honest. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I love the first one. Um, yeah. There you go. Gangsterland is our number three. Don't know much about this one. It's from 101 Films. Um, I shall look into it at a later date. Uh, the Night That Eats... Sorry, The Night Eats the World. A uh, new film from Signature Entertainment is our number two. I have seen this. Um, it's not bad. It's about a an American guy who goes to see his ex-wife or ex-girlfriend in her very large Parisian apartment. Uh, just as she's throwing a huge party with her new boyfriend um, to pick up his, his stuff. Um, he ends up falling asleep. Next morning he wakes up and wouldn't you know it, the whole world's turned into a zombie apocalypse overnight. Um, and, you know, it's all about him trying to survive. A lot yeah. of it is, um, you know, a lot of it is him on his own kind of um, I Am Legend style, that sort of thing, you know. Um, but he does sort of eventually meet a couple of other survivors. And, and things go on. Yeah, um, I like the artwork on that. Actually, it's was, quite good. Yeah, I was about a little to bit. Yeah, twenty-eight days later. It's a bit about that. And uh, do you remember a film called As Above, So Below? Uh, no. Oh, that that is a very good. Um, it's a very good film. It's it's kind of like a POV sort of you know docudrama kind of thing. You know, found yeah. footage. But it's done really, really well and really, really freakily. And, and the cover, you know, does sort of resemble that quite a lot. Um, number one. Now, this does perplex me. Number one. It's called The Last Witness. It's, um, I can't remember if it's Polish or, I don't think it's Russian. It might be Polish. But it's about a, a very particular sort of massacre that happens. So, you know, it's, it's a political drama about the last person alive to have borne witness to this particular act you know yeah um, good cast you know so michael gambon's in there um sort of other people so but uh even so it's i'm, I'm surprised you know that it's it's sort of beating out some of these other films to, to the number one slot this week you know um speaks a lot of its uh quality i guess it's it's when I mean, we we had a look at the trailer a while back on the coming soon section yeah um, it looked a little bit sort of by the numbers to me, but 
you know, you've got a good cast there to elevate things, I suppose. Sort of TV movie-ish, I think. You know, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. Prestige TV movies <laughs> is the way I look at it. Anyway, that's, um, that's our top nine our DVD chart for this week. It's time for the coming soon section, and this week, after last week's whopping 12 entries, we've got a paltry eight to take a quick look at. And we're going to start with a film which has already gained a lot of notoriety around the world. It's called Asura. Um, it is a huge, sort of multi million budget effects movie, um, and it is a total box office failure in China. And from what I understand, this is the brainchild of a sort of Chinese billionaire who wanted to make like the Chinese version of um, Avatar, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and that certainly comes across a bit in 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 the trailer. Uh, you know, they're going for some of that sort of style. Um, but again, but at the same time, it's it's very Chinese. And there's even a bit of sort of Game of Thrones thrown in as well, because one of the um, sort of main protagonists in the film bears a, um, a sort of very striking resemblance to sort of Daenerys, um, Mother of Dragons. Yeah. Have you heard much about this one? I can s- I'd only heard that it bombed, basically. I hadn't really mm. looked at a trailer until um, today. Mm. It. I think it looks like the sort of film that's kind of going out of fashion in China, really. I mean, they're more interested in sort of the Godzillas and Fast and Furious and things like that. Um, and it also struck me, I mean, it looks very expensive. Um, yeah. But visually, I found it looked quite plain, a little bit and drab. Dark. Yeah, and very, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Drab, drab and dark, a lot of it. Whereas the Chinese taste tends to be for sort of bright, colourful. Um, so it wasn't really that eye-catching. No, that's right, and and um, there's a film that we that me and Will looked at last week and are coming soon called uh, Detective D, um, the Four Heavenly Kings, which you know is is the polar opposite of this. It's it's again it's another big, yeah. you know, sort of epic um, sort of effects movie, but it's done right, you know, and it's it's a film, you know, I'm going to be upscaling, to, uh, upgrading to um, 4K, you know, at the end of the year, and I, you know, I really want that film in 4K basically because it looks amazing. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, that sort of brings us on to our next film, which is uh, Legend of the Ancient Sword. Now, this is from director Rennie Harlin. Now, we, you know, we were just mentioning Deep Blue Sea a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. Um, Rennie Harlin has now set up shop in China. Um, and, yeah. and, and this trailer, it didn't grab me to begin with. Um, it really didn't. You know, I was thinking, oh, God, here we go again. You know, it's sort of all this sort of sword and sorcery stuff. And I think I, I just watched The Legend of Wukong on um, on Netflix, funny enough, and it's it's this sort of stuff. But, yeah. But as the trailer went on, I, I, you know, I, I got sort of more into it. And, I, you know, I could see sort of, even though there's no English subtitles on this particular trailer, you know, I, I was sort of getting into sort of the characters and things so sort of, as they're being presented. So... I, I I got a sneaky suspicion I might actually like this when it when it comes out. Um, <laughs> it but, looks nice, yeah. I mean, yeah. this has got all the colour that sort of Azura was lacking. Exactly, yeah. Um, but I think you you never can tell. You can never quite tell what you're going to get with Rennie Harlan or these sort of films, really. Absolutely. So it's just, um, I guess it'll be a question of whether you're sitting there waiting for the set pieces or whether the story will engage you as well. Yeah, it's funny, man. You know, um, sort of really Harlan because uh, did did he do Mind Hunters? Was that a kill? Um, 
He, I think he did, yeah. He really did, yeah. Because I, yeah. I was just watching that the other night, funny enough. I thought, oh, mind that this is on Netflix. So I'm going to watch that. Um, yeah, it was better than I remembered it being. It's yeah. still hokey. I mean, it's, a, it's definitely a dimensions <laughs> film. Yeah, it's a dimension film through and through. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's still reasonably fun. Um, okay, where were we? The Prey is our next one. This is from the writer-director of Jailbreak. And... and you can kind of tell this is definitely in the um, hard target, most dangerous game kind of um, situation where a bunch of um, convicts are taken from prison, dumped in the wilderness and told to run for their lives while hunters chase them down. Um, if they can bring anything like the action from Jailbreak, I'm, I'm on board with this one. Um, I, I really yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, so, same here, yeah. yeah. No, it, it looks good. The set pieces look good. I think... By the look of it, they've got an engaging lead as well, which always sure. helps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely on board with that one. Okay, another one I'm definitely on board with is The Man Who Feels No Pain. This is an Indian action movie. I'd, I'd, I'd hasten to add action comedy, um, especially the tone of the trailer. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lots of slapstick, lots of weird stuff going on. Um, this is, I, I suppose this is the Indian version of... Um, Kickass, isn't it? Because isn't, yeah. isn't, isn't that what the main character in Kiss Kickass had was? That, fact, yeah, the, basically the his same thing. Yeah. Things were sort of shut off, so you couldn't actually feel pain. Just carried on going. Um, but this has done this sort of more comedic, sort of slapstick kind of way. I mean, the editing is lovely in the trailer. If, if, yeah, you know, it looks if, great. If it's, if it's um, anything like this, um, you know, in, in the finished film, then it's definitely going to be a winner. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been, you know, thanks to things like Netflix, you know, we've been getting more on board with sort of um, Indian film. Um, so, yeah, and Indian TV series as well. The um, Sacred Games, I don't know if you've seen any of that on, on Netflix. Really, really good series. Um, totally Not yeah, I'll have to give that a look, I think. It is really yeah. good. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's sort of half Goodfellas and half kind of sort of conspiracy stuff it, it's just really really well done yeah in fact i was so angry when it ended it was like what <laughs> nothing's resolved you can bring it back it's like, yeah so annoying uh okay number five our fifth film is um the dragon unleashed now the thing is out of all these trailers this is the one i can't remember um, i'm a bit similar to be honest um it, if I remember rightly, it's a guy. It's a guy in some sort of body armor with a mask, yeah. running around. I mean, it looked good, but it looked incredibly generic at the same time. Uh, I think this is the, the one. Um, was it directed by the Charles Bronson lookalike? Isn't that's it? the one. But, yeah. That's the one. The Rene, Rene Perez one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll, I'll definitely watch it uh, when I come across it. It's one of those films from the trailer. It's got this weird mix where it looks like it's kind of really cheap, but also mm. it's got good production values at the same time. Yeah, so you can, you it's can, sort of like yeah. right in the middle. It's it's like they they only had a camera phone to you know to actually film it with, but at the same time they took <laughs> a lot of time with the editing yeah. and the you know the fight choreography and things like that. You know, um, so definitely. Uh, in a similar vein, but but much more engaging, is Split Lip. Um, this is one of two yeah. films we've got on the list where, where Richard has sort of put a little footnote saying, it's an indie action thriller with a female lead, number one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah this, is, this, is, um, this, this does look awesome, actually. Yeah, it, I like the know, look of this, yeah. 
it, it, you've got this uh, woman who's some sort of assassin who gets injured uh, and she's looked after by just some guy comes across her um, and sort of ends up um, helping her out, you know, against the wishes of just about everyone who knows him. Um, hopefully it won't come back to haunt him, basically. Um, yeah, but this looks damn good indeed. Uh, I, I don't know who made it or anything, but um, yeah, definitely look out for Split Lip. Also look out for Intensive Care. Now, I've actually seen this. This is our indie action thriller with a female lead number two. Uh, this is about a young woman who was part of a uh, um, sort of close protection unit or, you know, some sort of mercenary group who decided to leave, um, give her all the missions and stuff. And she goes to work as a care nurse, of all things. Uh, looking after as you this, do, yeah. As you do. Yeah. Uh, looking after this old woman. Um, and it turns out her sort of son or nephew is a bit of a ne'er-do-well and he comes looking around for his inheritance basically he, he owes these other guys a lot of money they hear about the inheritance as well and try to break into the house basically it is um yeah lots and lots of violence in this film is is really good and it's got a very striking lead as well um just bear me a second I'm just dig out the lady's name because she is somebody to watch out for I liked that trailer a lot, actually. It looks yeah. good. Good um, old school as well, and a lot it of fun. Is. There you go. Tara Macken is her name. Um, yeah, so this is directed by uh, Jared Bentley. No, so he hasn't really sort of done anything as far as um, directing is concerned that we would know. But, well, this uh, will be the breakout, hopefully, for yeah, him then. Absolutely. Yeah. This, this, this is a smart little thriller. Um, you know, it's really good action, uh, lots of violence, basically. It's exactly what you sort of want from this sort of film. Um, last thing you want is lots of people stood around talking to each other. Um, so, moving on from intensive care, we have the weirdest film on this list. Yeah. Um, it's currently been called Airstrike. It's been known as a few other things over the years. And I say years, because I think this has taken a couple of years to sort of come out. Paycheck. Paycheck, uh, the bombing it was also yeah. and and um unbreakable spirit yeah i'm i'm sure um bruce willis isn't doesn't care what it's called as long as he's getting paid yeah um it's just a weird film this this is this is kind of like the ending of um uh, pearl harbor you know where where they go to bomb japan yeah. basically um it's it's an american movie so it's not an american movie it's a chinese movie um with bruce willis in it as um, sort of the colonel or wing commander. Or he seems to be sort of half-heartedly playing himself, going it, by the trailer. It's it's no different from yeah. any other Bruce Willis performance in the last two years, barring um, Death Wish. And I haven't seen Death Wish yet. Adrian Brody also turns up in this. Nicholas Say's in this. Uh, Fan Bing Bing's in this also. You know, so it's, it's a few... Bits and bobs going around. Yeah, in the effects. Know. Yeah, the effects look good as well. Some nice looking set pieces by the look of it. Yeah, I, I imagine there's a bit of money thrown at this. Uh, so sixty-five million apparently. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of money to, for this sort of film. We shall see how this turns out. Um, it, it, you know, it's sort of like thematically, it seems to be all over the place. Um, it's, it's following Adrian Brody, who's a, like a doctor. You know, he's sort of looking after the Japanese. Then you got sort of Bruce Willis as the sort of commandant or whatever, or the general, sort of like, you know, to keeping them flying. 
uh, and then you got sort of pilots, I guess, all, all this sort of stuff going on. Yeah, um, I think all the stuff in the air looks a lot more interesting than the stuff on the ground, really. Yeah, in that film. Yeah, but you, I think from the trailer as well, there's a scene where Bruce actually leads the cha- leads the charge in the air as well, at, you know, for the <laughs> final or something. Yeah, um, I'm sure this will turn up on 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 DVD in the near future, or it might go straight to Netflix or Amazon. Who knows? But anyway, that rounds up our coming soon section for this week. Our first review this week is Revenge. Uh, this is from director Coralie Fajat and stars Matilda Anna Ingrid Lutz as Jen or Jennifer. Um, so she is the young lover of a guy called Richard who takes her away on his um, retreat. They fly by helicopter to this sort of nice little pad out in the desert. They have lots of sex, lots of sleeping around. He calls his wife and sort of says nice things to her. And then two guys turn up, Stan and Dimitri. Um, they're a day early for this hunting trip with Richard. And things start to go a bit weird for Jen, unfortunately. Um, she ends up getting raped. And sort of the reaction of Richard isn't sort of the best thing that you'd want to sort of hope for. And one thing leads to another and Jen gets pushed off the edge of a cliff to her death or it would be if it wasn't for the fact she ends up being impaled on a dead tree branch instead um, and is able to sort of claw her way to survival and take revenge against the guys who's, who put her in this position um, or does she or doesn't she um, now this uh, the amount of sort of word of mouth that's been following this film um, yeah platitudes and you start wondering is well, okay, you know, are these people people who don't watch this sort of film and are just overreacting? Um, but I, I, I absolutely love this film. Uh, this is one of those things, for, just from a purely filmatism point of view. It's, you know, the whole way things are shot and everything. There are certain films that, as soon as you put it on, and as soon as you see those first few frames of film, you're instantly in love with it. Yeah, it's a it's a gorgeous looking film. Yeah. <laughs> It is, and and by the time that helicopter landed and they got off the helicopter into the thing, I was like, "Fuck!" This is like that's like five shots, you know, five separate shots, and I'm already in love with this film, you know. Um, and and it, it didn't disappoint from there. Basically, it is very very economical the way it sort of tells the story. Um, yeah, I, I, over to you. I, I you know, want to hear what you think, then I'll sort of chime in again. Yeah. Um... I was a little bit sort of let down, really, because I kind of like, as you said, there was a lot of hype uh, with the film mm-hmm. and sort of between hearing about the film itself and then watching it was a, a space of sort of two weeks because it sort of came out of nowhere for me. Right. Um, and then I sort of saw that, you know, there's a lot of critical reviews and it's getting sort of, you know, 95% or whatever it is on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And it sort of, the consensus with the critics seems to be sort of selling it maybe a little bit more than what it is. Because I think for what it is, it's like a sort of, you know, good old revenge film, which, you know, it's a great looking revenge film. Mm. But it's not sort of, I didn't see it as this sort of empowering sort of feminist post Me Too kind of film that a lot of the critics were sort of putting a label it's- on. 
yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, oh, it's you know, it's a postmodern take on the rape revenge film. It's yeah. deconstructing it, you know. It's putting a feminist slant on. The thing is, um, you know, despite the fact they're sort of dealing with a very horrible subject matter, a lot of rape revenge films are actually about sort of female empowerment or about women yeah. sort of taking back their, you know, their um, agency from the, the mm. people who, who did them wrong, you know, and that's, that's the situation here. Um, so, yeah, I, I get the impression that a lot of these critics probably have a very sort of high, you know, highfalutin they, view I think, the, sort of the genre. Yeah, you know, a lot uh, of modern critics as well, I think they like to portray an image of themselves more than... Mm. So, there tends to be a tendency of a bit of arrogance with a lot of critics these days where I'm going to get myself into trouble now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's more about the image they put across when they're doing their reviews rather than reviewing the films. Sure. Um, but, I mean, you know, strip all that away, and I think for what it is, it's really well made. You know, if you're looking at it the same way as you would look at, like, Miss 45 and films like that. Yeah. Um, and, it, yeah, as you say, it just it looks fantastic. Um it doesn't. I mean, you know, it, it, it's. I mean, a lot of people have said like, um, if it wasn't for the fact I knew a woman directed it, I'd have definitely assumed it was a man directing it. And and you know, somebody sort of quite rightly said, you know, it's, it's almost as if she's sort of directed it in the style of someone like Michael Bay, who is a very sort of, you know, he comes across yeah. a sort of misogynistic, predatory kind of guy. You know, so it says a lot of, you know, in those early shots of um, Jen. You know, when she's walking around in just her sort of bikini briefs and I love LA t-shirt. And it's like, you know, everyone, everyone is staring at her ass, including the camera, <laughs> you know. So so yeah. we're, we're being put in that same position, is it? You know, but it's like the film makes us know, it, it lets us know that, yes, we know you're staring at your ass. And, and look, everyone else is staring at her ass as well, because... You know, when she gets off the helicopter, the, the the pilot's sort of staring at her ass. Then he looks at Richard, and Richard gives him a knowing look, going, "Yeah, I know." You know, <laughs> that's, that's who I'm spending the weekend with, sort of thing. Um, so you know, it, it sort of plays it up. It's like, it's so, so it's, it's I, I don't know if it's sort of saying, "Yeah, you're doing what," it, or we're making you do what everyone else would do in that situation. You know, um, but this, it, I mean, there's a, it's a sort of a bit of naivety on on Jen's side in the way she behaves. No, that's even wrong as well. They have this party. Because I think they, they have a look sort of like a, is it an LSD or a sort of magic mushroom kind of thing? Yeah, there was, there's, a pay, Gets, yeah. there's some payout, but they, they, they don't take it immediately. But but even so, you know, she's she's a sort of free spirit, you know, sort of uh, kind of person. And um, I think she just assumes that everyone else is cool. You know? Yeah. Um, but you know she hasn't read the room basically, <laughs> <laughs> um, and unfortunately, I think is it is it Stan or I can't remember which one it is. Is it Stan who's the, the short I think it yeah Stan him? I think yeah. yeah. Um, you know he he can't understand why. You know she was acting all, you know, dancing so provocatively in inverted commas the night before, and then is sort of a bit more sort of timid in the morning. You know, when she finds out that she's left alone without a boyfriend, with with these two guys, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, she, you know, he can't understand. Well, you know, you stuck up bitch, aren't you? You know, all this sort of stuff. Um, but you know, I mean, as horrible as that situation is, then you have got Dimitri, 
who walks in on it and yeah you know just sort of think well chews on something and then walks off yeah and that chewing scene as well is that is that is probably the, <laughs> the most disgusting thing I've seen, and I've seen a lot of disgusting stuff over the years. But that that just like turned my stomach when it's sort of yeah, this close up of his mouth as he's as he's chewing and it's like all the bits of food in his mouth and everything. <laughs> Considering how gruesome the film gets as well, that's possibly the worst bit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I mean, obviously, you know, Richard tries to buy by her silence, by sending her to Canada, um, even though she wants to go to LA, you know, and sort of be somebody or whatever. Um, she rightly sort of throws that in his face. Um, but there's, I mean, there's some classic lines in here. One is Richard sort of turns to her and says, well, you're so beautiful, of course they're going to want you at some point, you know, so, you know this is going to happen sooner or later basically, because yeah. you're so fucking beautiful, which is just like horrible for one thing. But there's another line later on, which I thought was just as sort of damning, when Stan, Stan turns to Richard and says something like, um, oh, you shouldn't have pushed her off the cliff, otherwise you wouldn't be in this mess. You know? <laughs> and, and, I yeah. was, and I was half expecting Richard to turn around and go, well, if he hadn't raped her, he definitely wouldn't have been in this mess. But he doesn't say it. It's like, it's like as if... Well, obviously he was going to rape her or something. You know, it's, it's like, boys will be boys sort of thing. It doesn't yeah. even come up. You know, it's, it's the most obvious thing to say back. And it's like, it doesn't come up. I was, I was like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> I mean, how, how twisted are these people? It's absolutely bizarre. Anyway, um, visually, as, as we mentioned, this, this film is outstanding. Um, the color scheme is just so vibrant, you know, for considering this is, you know, it's, it's a remake and revenge. It is probably the most um, vibrantly coloured film I've seen in a long time. Um, the only thing that yeah. comes close for me is probably something like Neon Demon, but this is this takes place mostly in daylight, you know, sort of streaming daylight all the time. Um, but it, it's yeah, it, it's just amazing visually. There's little things as well where you know, there's a bit where she takes a bite out of the apple. Then gets startled, and the apple ends up on the side, and you see it the next morning. There's like yeah. an ant, ant crawling all over it, you know. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that wasn't a portent for doom. I don't know what is, um, but yeah, no, it, it was just absolutely so well done. I mean, you know, it's, it's not original by any stretch of the imagination. Um, been quite a few films set in the desert recently. Happy Hunting is one that comes to mind. Um, the one with um, Michael Douglas. Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. He sort of takes Michael Douglas is sort of rich guy who gets taken out in the desert to um, do some shooting and accidentally kills a homeless guy and then tries to kill his guide as a you know to cover it up. That that, that was pretty decent as well. Um, but yeah, no, this is great. And then, and when the you know when the action gets back to the house, it is just yeah. bloodbath. It's <laughs> insane. <laughs> it is. Um, yeah, this if if you're squeamish of the red stuff, look away. Basically, oh Christ, you know we're talking about things to look away from, and I I, I won't go into explicit detail, but let's just say broken glass. That's all. Oh, that's um, that's always a bit gruesome when you have that in a film. Yeah, but it's just <laughs> but it was just so full on because yeah, know, um, it's just so well done. Um, yeah, that was that was something else basically. It's um. There's yeah. a lot of great sort of 
payoffs as well when you know she's exacting her revenge. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Because the character Dimitri as well, you know, at first you think he's just like a fucking coward or something, as you know, he doesn't want to sort of stand up to Stan when he's when he's sort of raping. Her, yeah. You know, but then you thought when you find out later, thinking, no, he's he's probably just, you know, it's probably um, just a matter of chance that he didn't get to her first sort of thing. Um, I think so because he has a sort of turn where you think you think he's a bit sort of, you know, really simple, but he's got yeah. this edge to him. That's right. Surprising yeah. edge. Yeah, and then we got Richard, um, as a sort of other sort of member, who, yeah, you know, he starts off as a nice guy, but then, yeah, when, when he hears about what happened, his reaction to it, uh, yeah, it's it's weird, basically. Um, it, you know, the fact that he's sort of like doing all these platitudes to his wife, you know, she's sort of planning this sort of communion dinner or something. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I, I, um, I'm just looking on IMDb now to see what Coralie's done before. This is her first feature. So, uh, I mean, God knows what she's going to do next. Um, hopefully she's going to stay away from Marvel and Star Wars and stuff and keep doing films like this. That'd be really cool. <laughs> you know, hopefully, yeah. Because we, we need sort of full-on, you know, full-on gory action films like this. You know, we really do. Um, here's something as well. She she actually edited this, so she she was the director and editor and one of the writers. So well, it definitely had a sort of fluid feeling that you know everything really felt really yeah. you know just organic really. You always you got know, a sort of sense of um, sense of place as well. You knew where everyone was. I mean, even yeah. when you know at the end when they're sort of running around the house, you know, trying to get each other, and you sort of got a feeling of sort of where they were at each time. It was it's just really really well done. Yeah, yeah, but the but the editing was super. The that whole sort of peyote trip sequence as well. That was it was pretty freaky. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. Um, yeah, some nice symbolism as well. Where um, you know she has to cauterize her wound. Uh, that was that was done really well as well. Yeah, I, was, I just thought it was really funny because you got like um, you know she uses the beer can which has got like the the phoenix on it, which is sort of, you know sort of a bit on the nose. Like, you know, <laughs> Risen from the ashes again, yeah. <laughs> but then, but then, of course, she's printed out the whole things, you know, um, out of necessity. So it's got like Mexican beer written across the top of it, sort of burnt into her <laughs> flesh. You know, you're not going to get rid of that at any time. Um, yeah, e- even the way she got out of her predicament on on the um, the tree branch, you know, I was really impressed with because I thought she's going to have to sort of try and pull herself up and sort of thing. But what she actually comes up with. Was was just really ingenious, and um, I thought, yeah, okay, you know, that was sort of quite calm, cool, yeah. and collected. You know, I'd, I'd have sort of tried ripping it, ripping myself off the branch <laughs> or something, you know. But and it was definitely another eye-watering scene as well. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we can let a few things slide because we don't know what happened to the wound in her back. Obviously, this had gone all the way through. Um, and the bit where there's, there's you know the blood trail is sort of when the guys are following the blood trail. I'm thinking, that's a lot of blood she's lost, you know. <laughs> really, I mean, that's a quite a long trail that they've been following. That's a heck of a lot of blood to be to be losing. Yeah. Um, but but we can let those sort of things slide because it is is just so well done, just so stylish. Um, yeah. I I mean, this is um, it's coming out on VOD on the seventh of September, and then it's going to the Shudder Network. 
uh, and I think later on it'll be going to DVD Blu-ray. Hopefully, it go to Blu-ray because again, oh, that would look yeah, that would look yeah, great it, on Blu-ray. But I mean, there are certain. I mean, I know, was it you who watched um, Mind Hunter recently? Uh, no. No, no. So it was one of my other friends. Somebody put on Facebook saying, oh, I'm sitting down and watching Mindhunter. And I said, well... Oh, no, uh, Manhunter. Manhunter. Yeah. Was that you? Yeah, that was me, that yeah. That was you. Yeah, it was because... Uh, Mindhunter. It's a lot of similar yeah. colour schemes in that to this, actually, come to think of it. Yeah. That was another one, you know, shot beautifully wide and then you got all this um, colour in it. It was... Um, yeah. yeah. There's, an, there's, a shot, there's an early shot in that where Will Graham and um, his boss are sat on a tree... It's like a tree, a tree trunk next to the lake, yeah. and it is just so, you know, pin perfect sort of picture quality that you know it's the sort of thing you should be used. You know, people should be using that as to sort of sell Blu-rays. You know, <laughs> look, look, look how good this quality is. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what this film's like all the way through. Basically, it's just so, so vibrant and so sort of, you know, sort of pin perfect basically. Uh, and I'm and I'm a and the sci- soundtrack. Yeah, oh yeah. Sounds yeah, like I love I love the soundtrack as well. I mean, that could have easily been from a sort of eighties Michael Mann film as well. It could. Now, somebody mentioned um, the the guy who did that. I think his name's just called Rob or something like that. Um, uh, Rob, Robin Kuder, uh, and he did another film. Uh, oh, he did Maniac, the the remake with um, Elijah, Elijah Wood. Yeah, I've not yeah. seen that. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's that's pretty messed up as well. Uh, oh, he, he also did a film called Populaire, which is a really good sort of French comedy, sort of rom com, um, and and Horns with Daniel Radcliffe. So yeah, he's yeah. a lot of good sort of films under his belt. Um, but yeah, this is a good sort of synth score, as you, as you say. You know, there's a lot of good sort of moody sort of bits, of, and and you know when it needs to sort of be pulse pounding, it sort of, you know brings that as well. So. Absolutely good stuff. Um, okay, so, Tom, how are we going to score Revenge? I'm going to go for an 8 for this one. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually going to go one higher. I'm pushing this to a 9. This is definitely one of my films of the year so far. Um, there's still a few you know, a few months to go, but I, I, at the moment I'm seeing this in my top 10. Yeah, I'd be the same, actually, I think. Hmm. So, that is uh, Revenge. It's coming out, as we said, on VOD, so you'll be finding it on iTunes and all the other sort of streaming services um, at the end of this week, 7th of September. Um, then it'll go to Shudder, um, and then after that, it'll go to DVD, I imagine. Now, before we get off the subject of Revenge, there's another film com- called Revenge coming out. Um, totally different, as you'd imagine. Uh, this is a, a Norwegian film called Haven, uh, also called, in, in other words, Revenge, basically. Uh, this was sprung on me, like, literally two minutes before we started recording. <laughs> um, but I'm going to sit down and watch this, and hopefully me and Tom will review this at a later date, um, possibly by the next episode. So, yes, look, look out for Revenge and Haven Revenge, uh, coming soon. Okay, so it's time for our second review of the week, and joining me for this one, it's Will Bentley. Hi, Will. Hey. Yay. Getting getting to be quite a regular on the show now. <laughs> Hello. It's the most I've done in months, I think. I know. 
It's like the old thing about double-decker buses. You wait ages for one to turn up, and then... Yeah, three come along at once. Exactly. So, uh, for this episode, we're talking about Bad Samaritan, um, a new film starring um, David Tennant, and directed, funnily enough, by Dean Devlin, he of Independence Day and all the rest of it. This is definitely a smaller-scale film. Um, This Mm -hmm. is about um, a pair of would-be burglars um, centering on a character called Sean Falco, played by Robert Sheehan. Um, They have a little scam going where they act as um, valet drivers outside a restaurant, and while the diners are inside having their meal, they nick the keys, go to the house and break in and see if there's anything worth stealing. Um... They're not very good at this, are they, Will, basically? No, <laughs> they're no, they're really hard off. Target. Um, no, <laughs> they're really inept, actually. Um, and they, they, they have so many close calls. Yeah. And, and it's just, I mean, it's, there's a built-in flaw in that, you know, they've got the amount of time it takes. All right, obviously, um, their, their victims don't have their cars mm. with them and stuff, so can't exactly get back. But they've only got the amount of time it takes them to have dinner mm. um, and then coming back, and they, they can't sort of indefinitely stall them kind of thing. That's right. Um, so there is like kind of a built-in flaw to their to their whole <laughs> to the whole well, scam. Yeah, I mean the the other side of it as well is is they're doing absolutely no prep. This this is a very um, sort of spur of the moment crime, isn't it? It's it's very mm. reactive. Like, oh, we like the look of that car. That family looks a bit rich. Let's, yeah. let's go case their house. So so they're going into this totally blind, and as we find out early on. Um, they, they they almost come a cropper straight away when um, they don't realise that there's a big fucking guard dog inside yeah. his family's house, which yeah. is quite yeah. funny. Um, yeah, because they've no idea. They don't know whether the alarm's going to be on. They don't know if there's going to be, like you said, there was that hmm. enormous dopamine and stuff in the in the house. They they don't even know if there's going to be anything worth stealing. They just have to kind of run and have a look around. Yeah, it's, it seems to be. Yeah, it's, it's very labour intensive crime. For, for possibly little gain. Um, until that is, they come across a character called Kale Erin Drake, played by the mm-hmm. tenant, who turns up in a pretty spazzy sports car. Um, mm, yeah. And I mean, the funny thing is, as well, this this film is set in Portland, Oregon. You know, not not the most glamorous of settings, and, and the. Um, you know the restaurant they sort of stood outside is is the only restaurant in the street. You know, the, it's the only yeah. sign of life in this whole street, yeah. almost, isn't it? So, so <laughs> this, this um, you know, this sports guy pulls up, and David Tennant is playing a right, a right git, basically, sort of like mm. this really rich um, and you know privileged kind of asshole. It, yeah. it just gives them shit about the car and everything. So so obviously you want to rob this guy. Um, and you know everything is going swimmingly when they are when the guy arrives at the house. It's like oh my god, this guy's so fucking rich. You know he's just received a credit card, um, which which they use. You know they 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 um, unlock for their own uses. Um, mm. And he's just getting hold of like their checkbooks to, uh, um, to get a, the account number. And his um, the camera flash illuminates some poor woman who's been tied up in this room. And all of a sudden, mm. you know, sort of the world drops from beneath them, doesn't it? Basically. Oh yeah. It's um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's I mean, it, it, moments basically. How do you deal with that? <laughs> um, you know, because it's it's like, you know, aside from the kind of the moral, you know, well, you know, you've got to do something, but oh dear, we're you know that doing something will get us in trouble because we're we're being bad. Um, it it's the whole 
you know it's, it's the whole sort of like well if, if you you have to do something because you know she's seen you exactly, <laughs> she can describe yes. you don't you don't kind of, <laughs> there's, there's that side yeah. of it as well she might use you as a bargaining chip to sort of yeah. you know um, sort of keep yeah. herself alive um but yeah she's she's you know as it turns out she's chained up pretty damn good um mm. She's in this room. When he, when he when he sort of illuminates the room, we realise that everything's covered in like um, sort of black black plastic sheeting. It's like, yeah, oh, Christ, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's horrific. I mean, it, it's a really weird. Um, I mean, he, he, this this it's not it's not exactly fresh and original, you know, having the mm. kind of captive, captive you know female um, serial killer victim in the you know in in the kind of house of horrors. Mm. Um, but he's very specific about it, you know, because it's all like it's a it's a stable, isn't it? I mean, it's a you know, right, it, yeah. it's sort of there's a. I'm not actually sure I completely understood the whole thing, you know, going back to his childhood and horses it's, and stuff. It's very sort of throwaway, unfortunately. The um, the the opening prologue is so choppy; it doesn't sort of really give you any idea what's what's happening. Um, mm. And there's a throwaway line of dialogue by one of the FBI agents later on, which basically says what happened. Um, uh, right, I must have missed that. It's but... it literally a line, you know, and, and then, oh, everything makes sense now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I don't, I mean, to be honest, that, that, was, that was one thing that for me I thought, you know, normally I moan about being hit over the head with backstory. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I, you know, normally that's something that really annoys me is we get spoon fed stuff and, you know, just sort of just ruins, it just sucks any kind of um, depth and mystery and, you know, interest out of, out of a, out of an, out of a backstory or right. if it's just done clumsily, it's just annoying. But in this instance, it was like, it was too scant to my, to my mind. It was like, well, you know, I suppose you didn't really, I suppose you didn't need to know much more than he was. He's a, he, He's a psychopath who, you know, who likes chaining up women and, you know, tormenting them and bending them to his will. Um, and, and it's specifically got to do with horses. And I suppose, does it really matter what the shaping influence was? Not really. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have sort of made any sort of real impact on the story. Um, mm. But, yeah, the film becomes, you know, it's one of those sort of rear window situations, isn't it? You know, they don't want to get yeah. caught. They don't want to get, um, but at the same time, there's a, there's a woman's life at stake. Um, yeah. And there's this sort of cat and mouse situation where sort of David Tennant's character realises that somebody has been in his house because he's yeah. so fastidious and tidy, you know. Yeah. Um, he realises that somebody's been sitting on his bed because, you know, the, the, um, the covers are yeah. slightly askew. Um, it's like misery, isn't it? Yeah, and, exactly. You know, it's like, yeah. just like misery in Rear Window. It's like the what was it? The Penguin facing yeah, you south. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's the only. It's not the only time, is it? That it's mm. been used. It's, it's quite a good. It's quite a good device, actually. Oh, um, but it was that one. This one was particularly because that was an even more of an insight well, there was, into there was that and, and the fact that he, he there was the phone call as well because he, he you know because he, yeah. he picks up the phone dials it you know does the last number and realizes that yeah. somebody was activating his credit card um, yeah and that, that i mean that that's that was like you know they, he was like his friend was saying oh you're not touching stuff you know he, he lifts something out of the <laughs> yeah. guy's bed so he's, oh, you're not touching things he's like no but i'm making a phone call which you know mm. is now indelibly marked on the guy's statement so even if he hadn't realized then he'd have realized in a few 
days time if you saw his itemized phone statement like they when you were saying that they were inept it's like well yeah they don't really think that far ahead about their stuff um, not at all no. you know it's kind of a miracle neither of them have been caught before but yeah absolutely um and and especially you know i mean you know david tennant's character um he's able to think three three moves ahead basically mm. so by the time i mean you know they, they try to do the right thing they make a uh, anonymous phone call to the cops they they come running you know um but he's one step ahead basically he answers yeah. the door in, yeah. in his dressing gown and, he, and he's he's got a young woman with him you know um oops sorry officer i guess uh sort of kinky game sex games um possibly got a bit too loud and upset one of the neighbours, which, which I thought was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he he really has got everything prepared and he was a master manipulator of people and situations. And, um, oh, yeah, in fact, that's... Um, it does turn into a game of cat and mouse with, with them both kind of hacking each other, doesn't it? Like, mm. you know, trying to... You know, it starts off with, um, um, you know, with the thief trying to you know, steal his passwords and that ends up with them in, both going into each other. And I thought actually it was the the most seamless, non-jarring sort of um, ad- admission of how, you know, everyone's everyone's lives are covered by their phones, their, mm. their you know, their, their PCs, um, you know, the password protection and all the rest of it without hitting you over the head with it because it is just, it's, it's no, you know, people's computer, people's online stuff is no... It's kind of it's no more significant than a phone call, you know, and, and like we're all used to the filmic language of phone calls now. And I think you know it was, it was yet another really good example of getting used to the filmic language of going on people's computers. And well, they did, they did you know, at the beginning, didn't they? When 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 um, Sean breaks into Kyle's house and, yeah. and his mate is sort of, sort of taking him through, and he said, "Yeah, I know what I'm doing," sort of thing. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. So so you, so you get a little bit of like hand holding then. Yeah, so I know how to look for passwords. Yeah. So, so yeah. by the time that uh, when Kale returns the favour, yeah, they don't need to do that. You know, this is like, yeah, yeah. He's doing he's doing exactly what the other guy was doing. He's fucked, sort of thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was it was a great sort of uh, sort of cat and mouse thing going on. I was kind yeah. of surprised that the girl lasted as long as she did. Yeah, yeah. frankly, I kind of I, I wasn't expecting that. You know, mm. I think you know, and I actually. Um, it was a bit. It was kind of like Silence of the Lambs, and I was sort of mm. thinking, um, you know, in you know, in Silence of the Lambs, I think he, you know, there was already what two or three dead, wasn't there, by the yeah, time they, right, they yeah. found this sort of thing. And I was sort of thinking, and especially when there's, there's a bit where, I and mean, it turned out it wasn't that, but there's a bit where, it, where she's in the shower and she's going, oh, "I've used the lotion and stuff," and I'm thinking, "Oh dear, <laughs> 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 um, this, mm. this generally doesn't end well, does it?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's another bit on that sort of initial sort of um, reconnoiter around Kyle's house where he's about to leave and he notices there's another door um, yeah. oh, next God. to the garage yeah. and he opens it and, he got, oh, yeah. Yeah, and he's got all, all the um, tools of the trade, shall we say, yeah. um, with still sort of bits of blood and stuff on them. It's like, yeah. Well, it was like it was like Kmart serial killers, wasn't it? it was awful. Well, it is. He, he didn't need to do any more than that, you know. He just had to sort of show that to sort of, yeah, you know, what's what's coming, sort of thing. Um, yeah, possibly. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was it was really cool. And then, of course, um, I mean, the character Sean as well. You know, mm. he's he's sort of portrayed as being our protagonist, but he, he's oh, it's the lovable rogue sort of thing, isn't it? Because mm. he's Irish as well. 
So mm. it's like, oh, it's that lovable Irish rogue, you know, sort of mm. starving artist sort of thing. Um, yeah. But did you really have any sympathy for him? None at all. I don't know what it was about him, but I, I really didn't care. I thought I liked his mate more, and his mate was more mar- morally bankrupt than he was. So, you know, his yeah. mate was actually the worst person. Like, you know, sort of objectively, was you know, Derek was it? Eric Sanderbilt yeah, so was, was a worse person. He was a least, less trustworthy, more out-and-out thief. Um, and you were supposed to sympathise with... Uh, oh, God, I've forgotten his name. Oh, Sean. Uh, Sean. Yeah. Sean. Um, you were supposed to sympathise with Sean, and I just couldn't. And I don't, I don't know what it was. I mean, I think um, maybe because it was just not, it wasn't believable that he would be a thief. Mm. Um, you know, I think poss- it possibly, you know, possibly that. Um, I think there was. I think playing it sort of more like, oh, it's it's just a laugh, you know, it's it's it's, it's boys will be mm. boys kind of kind of thing. I think that's what they were sort of trying to aim for. You know, and then yeah. they sort of got a bit over their heads, sort of thing. But you know, they were sort of potentially sort of destroying people's lives by by nicking their stuff. And yeah, uh, yeah. and that was—I mean, that was that was the point when they the, the very first time when you, they, they stood there being valets and they just yeah. had to convince convince the, the restaurant owner that he actually does need two of them, and yeah. you know, stood, stood outside. Um, and then the family the family pull up, and you know, Derek gets in the car and goes racing straight off to to rip them off. Mm. Um, and you know, he phones him up. Um, Sean phones him up, and he's like, "You know, no, don't do it. They're nice people." Mm. Sort of. Thing. And you think at, at that point, I was sort of thinking, "Well, oh, it's just his mate who's a, you know, who's yeah. a thief trying, trying to run him in." But when he sort of, when he's supposed to be the more organised one, better at it, he's just like, "Well, actually, you know, I just mm. don't. Yeah, I don't. I think it's like you're not convincing as a noble." Uh, thief. You're not mm. convincing as a, as a lovable rogue either. He just didn't. I think because he was neither fish nor fowl, he just wasn't a believable character. He yeah. only became he only became believable when he became the kind of the hero trying to, you know, when he was redeemed. I suppose when he was yeah. trying to save. You know, he's just going right. Well, I'll front up. I'll go to the FBI. I don't care if I get in trouble. Um, yeah, I just, that, that read a bit more sympathetic, but I mean, really, he was the he's he's the kind of guy you know. If you're a woman, or a, you know, if you're a teen girl, he's the kind of guy that your parents warn you about, is you know. Yeah, yeah. He looks all nice and everything, but he's heaps of trouble. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like, I just, I don't. I mean, you know, I'm watching it thinking, I don't think I'd like. I'd actually like. I'd quite like to hear this. You know, the heartthrob factor, whether or not he actually did hit the heartthrob factor thing. Mm. You know, I'm the teenage girl audience of this because mm. I still think that his mate um, Derek Sandoval was just more convincing he was more cheeky and funny and charming and yeah. I just think, I just think and, until it sort of he became the hero you know Sean's character was just a bit of a wet lettuce yeah definitely <laughs> sorry to say it <laughs> but no, you know it's true yeah it really is um, yeah interesting um the guy playing Derek, Derek Carlito Oliveira, he's he was originally, um, well, he, he's the only American in the cast. Basically, he's from Chicago. Everyone yeah. else is more or less from from England or Ireland. Well, they're not. They're, they're from Ireland or Scotland. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. The UK. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get uh, complaints. Um, we'll get complaints. We'll, that's true. Yeah. We'll get ostracized on the internet. <laughs> on that. Um, yes, yeah, so, so overall, I thought I thought this was a pretty decent little film, um, e- even though the sort of hero wasn't much of a hero, and, and I did think it was quite funny when you know his his attempts 
at um, sort of rescue were sort of thrown back in his face at the end. Oh, that was funny. Screams, this is how you do a rescue. <laughs> yeah, that was actually brilliant. And I thought, you know, yeah, there was in fact... exactly what he deserves, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That was because that was so late when she was just so kind of... That was fantastic. I thought it was one of the best, <laughs> best yeah. and the funniest scenes in the film, actually. Um, and then she followed it up, you know, after he... Exactly, sort of again, yeah. dishes out a beating, and she's like, you know, that that's that's on enough. <laughs> and you're thinking, no, damn right, <laughs> actually, I think you could definitely, after what this guy's done, you could go much, much further. Um, yeah. But you know, there oh, was, yeah, that was quite funny. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, that you know, and I think I think um, it had that it had that that moment that always you know from watching Halloween, you know, the original Halloween mm. with Jamie Lee Curtis, was it? And yeah, you know, the original, you know, it's like you literally. You can't ever assume that, you know, once you've given the bad guy a bop on the head with a handily sort of convenient object, that it, that it's all over. It's like, why do people always just sort of sit down and start breathing heavily? Know, it's like, yeah. no, carry on. <laughs> one of you can't see what's going on. Yeah. Exactly. It's just, no, no, no. <laughs> like, you carry on until you literally can't, can't you know, can't do any more because the, the bad guys are, are like, the Energizer Bunny, aren't they? Exactly, they're, they're, yeah. you, can, you can predict, <laughs> unless you unless you you know had their head off, they're going to get up and come after you. And even then, even even if they've, you've had their head off, depending on the kind of film you're in, yeah. uh, and, you and can't considering get... this is David Tennant, he might regenerate. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. exactly. Do you know what? I was watching. I watched this film, and I it took. He sat there at the start of it, thinking he looked so kind of. He looked so much like the character. He'd imbued himself so much with this kind of appalling moral blank. This, you know, just this, uh, you know, emotionless. This, this utterly dreadful character. I think it's it's the one of the one of the most awful villains. You know, like some bad guys I've seen. Really, really nasty piece of work. He's almost unrecognisable. I mean, and David David Tennant has got quite a quite a recognisable face. You know, it's quite a sort of distinctive but he just was just everything that like every kind of boyish quirky trademark expression is gone and mm. and he just he was just i thought utterly terrifying and and as, as a result he was all the thought he was watching it thinking you can barely recognize him for who he is yeah <laughs> like he really, true. yeah he, he, hmm. he, i mean you don't think of him as sort of the lovable sort of time lord at all of this you know he's just like this as you say, he's, he's a very nasty piece of work, but you know he's always in control of everything mm. that's going on. You know, yeah. um, he, he's this person. You know, he can see the gears working in his head, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's this sort of, you know, all, always in control. But at the same time, he can be charming. I mean, you sort of see the scene where, where he's actually in the restaurant, you know, um, with with a bunch of people. You know, he's he's the life of the party, sort of thing. Yeah. And then of yeah. course he's a, he's able to sort of. Just make a quick booty call to get someone to come round and um, yeah, with the police, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he he's he's not so much he's not a sociopath. Is what I'm saying. You know, he, he obviously, you know, he can emotionally engage with people, or at least he's very very good at um, you know, faking it, pretending it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and I think when he, and it's quite telling that he said he's always in control. Because a few moments when he felt that he, when you know, when when he felt that he wasn't. Mm. You know, he was quite, you know, those kind of disturbing tantrums that he had, you know, little, little sort of rages that he had, mm. um, you know, when the mask sort of slipped and you kind of wonder, well, what, what is he? Is he that underneath? Is that him underneath all the time? You know, or is he the, 
you know, you see the the kind of emotionless, always in control kind of. You know, I get, kind I of get the impression. I think I think it's a little of both because you know, um, you know, th- this woman isn't his first victim. Basically, they, they make it quite. Oh clear. no! <laughs> yeah, there's, there's been others. Um, mm. So obviously, at certain points, he's going to sort of snap. And, mm. You know, mm. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, this is directed by Dean Devlin, um, mm. who's usually paired up with Roland Emmerich to do big budget disaster movies. Yeah, yes, uh, and so, this couldn't be more different. This could not be more different. This couldn't be more different, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. So I mean, he obviously he's been involved in uh, a few TV series as well, like The Librarians. Um, you know, sort of the Stargate TV series based on what they did. Uh, also, uh, Leverage, which was a series I absolutely loved. Um, so he's he's done the sort of smaller scale stuff, and of course, Leverage as well was you know the latter series of that was set in Portland um, as well. So you know, it's, it's obviously somewhere he's familiar with. Mm, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why he just didn't. Yeah, he just didn't. Maybe you're saying he's an area he's familiar with. He obviously likes using it as a Hmm. He thinks it, you know, it works as a backdrop, and it's like it's a. Ref- I think Portland was a refreshing change to, you know, refreshing change. It could be more different from the big cities. Hmm. It could be more different from, you know, the sort of like L.A. Seems like an awful lot of dramas, like certainly the stuff I've been watching recently, and you know, looking on Netflix and stuff, an awful lot of kind of hot climate stuff. And it's yeah. nice to have something foggy and rainy and drizzly and damp and green. Hmm. Um, and it's Portland, Oregon, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, and it's um, and it's you know, it's just that kind of misty, cold, damp, almost sort of like you know, with with, with a kind of European feel to the streets, um, you know, like rather than the sort of, and there's a kind of claustrophobia about it as well, you know, it's a sort of closeness, like in the forests and the, you know, in the in the in the houses, rather than the kind yeah. of big open spaces. And I thought, you know, and it was, I think it was quite a dark. Like, I mean, obviously, subject matter-wise, dark film, but it was also quite dark colours and tones and things. Um, you know, I think maybe, maybe it was. I think it, I think so. Whoever, whether whether it was whether it was Devlin or you know who was who, I can't I can't, I can't even, don't make note of the cinematographer, but it was a very rich, dark colours kind of film, rather than yeah. a kind of wide, flat, bright, um, vibrant colours film. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, especially when you look at sort of David Tennant's house in the film as well. It's just like, you bastard. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, looking at that. yeah. <laughs> it was, what was it, the thing in Fight Club when he's going, you know, like 70 different spices in the, in the spice yeah, rack and that food in the yeah, fridge. Fr- fr- it was fr- like, yeah, yeah, that's it. It was the house of, you know, it was sort of the, the classic American psycho type house, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think really everything was brand new, you know, the best of everything. Um, Soulless, but and, yeah, and there's a girl, and there's a girl chained up in your study. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not the place I'd like to live. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could do without the last bit, but the rest. Yeah. Of it, mm. <laughs> um, okay, so what are we going to score, Bad Samaritan? Oh, it was very good. I mean, I enjoyed it. I think you could, you could, you could tell it was a, an experienced hand at the helm, um, and David Tennant played an absolutely blinding role. Um, you know, as did, you know, as did everyone else when um, when things got going. It was a good film, and I enjoyed it. It was slick, and I would definitely have to give it at least an eight. Okay, uh, I'm going to dip a little bit to a seven. Um, again, ma- mainly because of the character Sean. Um, it sort of let me let it down a bit. Um, 
Although you know David Tennant makes some awesome sort of antagonists in this, uh, and it's definitely worth seeing. Um, so that's a seven and an eight for Bad Samaritan. Okay, it's time for the last part of the show, so it's down to me and Tom to do the washing up. And we're going to start with a film called 10 by 10 um, I don't know a lot about this one, apart from the fact it stars Luke Evans and Kelly Riley. Uh, from what I understand, he puts her in a cell which is like 10 metres by 10 metres or 10 feet by 10 feet. Something along those lines. Um, Tom, have you got any more information about this one? I'm about the same as you on this one. I've never heard of it. I, I'd, I'd heard of it, but unfortunately I haven't had a chance to check out a trailer just yet. No. Um, if, if, I, if, if I get any more, <laughs> I'll put it in post. Um, there you go. I'll just read what's on IMDb. Um, Lewis, played by Luke Evans, is an outwardly ordinary guy, but in reality he is hiding an obsession, revenge, against Kathy, played by Kelly Riley. Lewis kidnaps Kathy in broad daylight and takes her to... And takes her to his home, where he locks her in a soundproof cell and attempts to extract a dark secret from her past. Okay, see, that makes it sound a little bit more interesting. It's, uh, it's not yeah. just like some psycho um, keeping her under, under lock and key. Um, he has an ulterior motive. So, so, yeah, actually, that's slightly intrigued me now. So I'm going to sort of take a look at that. Good, good cast as well. So, I mean, yeah. they're going to be able to play the roles quite well, I think. I think so, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Luke, Luke Evans actually. I, I, you know, um, he's had some damn good films. Uh, so moving on to 2036, Origin Unknown. Um, again, I'm, unfortunately, I'm, I'm behind catching up on trailers and things. Uh, after a failed mission to Mars, AI is now oh I do know this one is now used for the 2036 mission and a few Earth human supervisors. A monolith of unknown human origin is found there, and it will have a big effect on Earth. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Katie Sackhoff is the main reason to check this out, I believe. Um, the special effects do look pretty good for this, though. So, who knows? Yeah. Um, it seems to have sort of mediocre reviews on IMDb, so... Oh, every film uh... has mediocre <laughs> reviews on IMDb. I mean... Here's a rule of thumb. Never, never read yeah. IMDb reviews. Never read comments below YouTube trailers. Um, they, they will really depress you, basically. You know, um, nine times out of ten, anyway. Oh, especially under YouTube. Oh, uh, definitely, yeah. They're horrible. It's a waste yeah. ground. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, next one coming out this week is Alien Code. I'm so behind on my trailers this week. I mean, I, you know, I look, managed to catch up with the uh, coming soon, but these ones I'm just totally behind. Um, this was originally called The Men. Yeah, I'm getting a sort of Dark City vibe there. Yeah, after deciphering whether it's anything. Satellite. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, I think I have seen the trailer for this actually. What else we got? Oh God, I, I, I must admit I've I've not touched these at all. There's a there's a series of films called Avengers Grimm. Which is like you know trying to be a sort of superhero franchise based on uh, grim fairy tales, shall we say? Uh, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it's been at least one other of these yeah. already, and I just I, I I don't know if they're done by the asylum, but I'm I've kept a wide berth. Um, I, I imagine you've done the same. 
I probably have, given the artwork that's quite cheap. I imagine the film is as well. Yeah. Um, this one. Um, <laughs> okay, next on our list is. It's, called... it's not selling me, to be honest, no. Which one? Avengers? Grim? No, yeah. No, that's not really. Not really catching my eye, that one. No, not at all. Moving on to something called Demo and Evil, the movie. I have no clue what this is at all, which is kind of a running theme this week, unfortunately. Um, but, I mean, you know, Richard puts these things together, so he found this from somewhere. Apparently it's hilarious and guaranteed last from start to finish, according to the quote from Drew's Big Breakfast. No? What's that say? BBFMs. Well, I'm sold then. Sorry? Oh, you sold it, yes. And, yeah. um, I can't read that either. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm assuming it's an Irish film, though. It could be. It could be. I have no clue. Um, let's move on. <laughs> okay, I'm on a bit firmer ground with this one. Dead Shack <laughs> um, is, is, is now out. Um, this looks very good. This has... Um, it's about a woman who kidnaps some um, this guy to feed to her family, and I, I've only just started watching this, uh, and it starts off with this guy trying to escape, and she's all dressed up in um, sort of heavy sort of leather body armor with a, a face mask to protect her from being bitten, um, and it, it just looks really smart. I must admit, um, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing this properly. I, I just I gave a very sort of cursory glance. Um, sort of this morning before rushing out but uh, definitely going to give that one a look soon uh, okay moving on to yeah, this looks good actually the most yeah mm -hmm. cool uh, moving on to eruption LA um, where will you be when everything erupts well I won't be in LA basically um, so I think this is a bit late isn't this a bit late didn't we have all these sort of disaster movies last year yeah, you know, San Andreas and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it sort of looks like it should. Yeah, should be following on from that, really. But this, it, this looks more like job. Dave Wayne territory to me. It, it really does. Yeah, it, it looks like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Okay, Hatchet Four, Victor Crowley finally coming to the UK. Um, I I'd be interested to know if this is uncut. Um, basically. I don't know what's, what the hold-up's been, because the previous hatchets all got released um, eventually, and two of them are actually pretty decent. Uh, I, I didn't think much of the, the prequel, which was number three, but the, but the first two I actually quite liked, um, even though some of the sort of um, some of the death scenes were just full-on nasty and horrible to watch. But, uh, you know, I like the humour and things. Apparently this is the funniest of the lot. Yeah. This this is a more this this one apparently is outright comedy, you know, with, with the gore and horror and all the rest of it. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, see what turns up for that one. Um, uh, how to get girls? Oh, let's move on. Okay, what else we got? Oh, next one. Um, incident in a ghost land. Now this is uh this has been knocking around for a little bit. Uh, it's just been on at Fright Fest, um, and I've been watching this I was watching it this morning 
I got I've, I'm about halfway through it or, or a third of the way through it, and I can't wait to finish it basically because this is awesome. Um, this is directed by Pascal Laugier, who did uh, Martyrs and uh, Inside. Um, this is his second um, US feature. He did, he did uh, The Tall Man uh, a few years back. Uh, so, so he's now done this one. This is about. Oh, yeah, yeah. She moves into a house with her two sort of teenage daughters. Um, and as soon as they move in, they're attacked by these two guys who, um, you know, just do really nasty stuff, basically. But they somehow survive, um, turn the tables on the guys. And then it sort of it, it jumps like 16 years later on. Um, and from what it says on IMDb, things get really strange. I'm thinking, fuck me. If it gets stranger than what we started off with, then it's going to be pretty messed up stuff. Because that first sort of, <laughs> you know, five minutes into the film, it, it gets really, really messed up and intense. You know, uh, it is uh, full on. It's, it's definitely Pascal Laugier. You know, it's, um, I, I don't know if you've seen, you know, any of his other films. Um, he did another one after Martyrs uh, called Livid, which was a you know a bit different, a bit more sort of gothic in style, uh, le- less sort of full on sort of gore and things. But, yeah. Um, but this this one's definitely getting back to the the violence basically. I, I, you know, I can't wait to s- sort of see how it develops because that opening sort of ten fifteen minutes is amazing. So yeah. Um, definitely one to check out. I mean, the, the trail, you know, the uh, the poster does not do it justice at all. The DVD cover. This this comes highly recommended. No, I'll, I'll yeah. definitely have to check this one out. Mm. I've, you know, I've only yeah. seen I've only seen like the first twenty twenty five minutes, and I'm like, yeah, I see it. That's for sure. Okay, another one I'm definitely going to see is JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Diamond is unbreakable. Um, this is a Takashi Miki film, which just makes it, um, you know, that is a recommendation on its own, basically. Uh, one of the most prolific directors yeah. in the world, let alone Japan. Um, but this is based on a long-running uh, manga slash anime series, which I'm not very familiar with. I haven't a clue what's going on from the trailer, but it looks great. And, you know, I get this sort of sense of mystery and sort of like, um, you know, trying to get to the bottom of something. Basically, plus all these sort of superpowers and things going on as well, it, it just looks really, really cool. Basically, so um, yeah, I'm definitely on board with that one. Can't wait to get hold of it. Yeah. Uh, Nocturne. Yeah, I'd watch that one. I think. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Nocturne looks great from the cover. I must admit, I but I know nothing about it at all. Uh, I, I need to check this one out. Um, if the cover's anything like the film. I'm in, basically. We we shall report back on that one. Yeah. Um, Another one, uh, Prying Eyes. Uh, I've been trying to track down a trailer for this one as well, and I haven't been able to. Um, It was originally called There's Something in the Pillager. Um, Oh, it's an Australian film, this one. uh, It looks like a a Yeti, you know, sort of like Bigfoot kind of thing. Yeah. but it's something set yeah. in Australian outback. So, I love the artwork. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely going to be looking out for it. It's that. got a sort of 80s VHS vibe, I think, hasn't it? <laughs> it certainly does, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, don't know much about it. 
Um, okay, the changeover. Now, we looked at the trailer for this last week or the week before, um, and it just looks bland as fuck. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not interested in this at all. <laughs> Even though it's got Lucy Lawless in, in it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's Australian, just based on that, or, or New Zealand. But it doesn't have any of the usual, you know, Kiwi idiosyncrasies that we sort of tend to like in these sort of films. It just looks bland as anything, sort of, you know, team rock, team rom fright thing. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll be avoiding with a with a wide pole, basically. Okay, so that is the roundup. Uh, yep, yeah, that is the um, the roundup for this week. That's the washing up done. Uh, Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, hopefully, you'll have time to join us again. Yep, yeah, hopefully. Thank you very much. No problem. And Good to be said, on board again. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as we said, um, the Revenge comes out at the end of the week on VOD. Um, all the trailers that we mentioned will be in the footnotes. Um, if you look on our website, on, on the Podbean website, you'll see all the pictures for the trailers and the, the, um, the, the washing up. Um, but if you're looking at it on your phone, the likelihood is you'll just get the links to the trailers, unfortunately. Uh, that's, that's the system we got with Podbean. Um, but thanks for listening and tune in again next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time. <laughs>